You're listening to All the King's Men. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. I spent quite a bit of time hanging out at the King's offices this week. I had some great conversations, one of which you're about to listen to. A few of which, though, were about the podcast and what it's going to look like in the upcoming season. We're going to be trying a lot of new things, and we're going to be bringing you a lot of new content in a lot of new ways. Um, A lot of it is going to be the same routine as last year. We're going to try and bring you just as many episodes, if not more. But some of it is going to be a bit of an experiment. So we, uh, we are looking for and appreciate any feedback as to what works, what doesn't work, what you'd like to see it look like. Um, as always, you can reach us across all social media platforms. The username will always be King's Men Podcast. That's one word. Or you can hit me up on Xbox. At my gamer tag is ATKM Podcast. As I've said, I play a lot, and I'm always looking for a game. So if you see me online, please do feel free. Uh, send me a request. I will probably accept it. Anyway, here's our conversation with Josh Cooper and John Rosen. Hope you enjoy it. Joining me today, live in the LA Kings offices, John Rosen, LA Kings Insider. How are you doing today, John? Wonderful. I, I can look. I can see you. I can see Josh Cooper here. This is wonderful. I mean, normally when we record these, we each kind of record our bits separately, put them in pneumatic tubes, and put the tubes uh, you know, up a wall. <laughs> Yet and, another Hudsucker proxy Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the internet makes do somehow. Uh, but it's great. I love this. We're going to do this more often, I think. And uh, from Yahoo Sports, the previously mentioned Josh Cooper, how are you doing today, Josh? Just sitting here waiting for an NHL defenseman to call me. There's really not a lot of news that happened in the NHL today. Do you get a lot of phone calls from NHL defensemen? Well, no. I mean, it's <laughs> slow and it's the summer. I'm not going to say which one sure. I'm waiting on. But is I mean, it Jake I'm waiting. Uh, is it is, Jake, do you have Jake Muzzin's number? It is, no, it, is, it is not Jake Muzzin. I'm not going to outset defensemen. <laughs> but it's slow. It's the summertime. So I try to, you know, talk to some guys about what they're doing. Sure. Q&As. I have one with Jake Jamie Ben, I guess it was a few days ago, or maybe it was last. I don't remember. All the days blended. I got back from Japan recently, honestly, and I am like, like it took me like a week to know where I was and what time it was. So if we were so, making all of us characters from girls, you'd be Shoshana. I've never seen girls. Wow. But I have started watching Vice Principals, which I think is really <laughs> funny. Well, uh, the summer's almost over, and that means that the World Cup of Hockey is looming on the horizon. You referenced Jake Muzzin. John, what can you tell us about the players who are heading off to the, the World Cup and the rest of the players? Are they starting to show up and practice and get in shape? Yeah, you, you have your regular group that skates here at Toyota Sports Center. It's nothing, by the way, like the Beauty League, which is happening uh, nightly in suburban <laughs> Minneapolis and Twin Cities, where you literally have... Uh, there are a couple Kings prospects uh, taking part, and also uh, incoming King Zach Trotman, um, who are taking part in this league. Michael Russo of the Star Tribune has reported about this. But there's actually uh, a league that is being run in a suburban rink uh, in the Twin Cities uh, in which players are trying to get back and get back in shape, and they're playing competitive games against each other. It's mostly the Minnesota and upper Midwest-based uh, NHL players and quite a few college, uh, major, junior, and, and uh, minor league players too. But back at Toyota Sports Center, um, I most recently saw them on Thursday. It was very King-centric. Um, so I don't like to list all the names because then people start saying, well, why wasn't player X there? He's obviously not sure. training hard this summer. Um, but there were a good, it's, it's the same contingent as, as is often there. Andre Kopitar's back in town. He was there on, on Instagram, got a good shot of him and Jeff Carter getting a bit winded at the very end uh, of the skate. In recent days, you have, uh, and this is the general kind of larger group that the team often skates with, uh, you have players like 
Ryan Miller of the Vancouver Canucks, who spends his offseason here, as does Brooks Like now the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who is uh, also somebody that was there. I believe Greg Patteron was uh, the Montreal the player in Montreal Canadiens uh, colors that was there a couple days ago. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, one of our favorite players, uh, Eric Nystrom, who I know you got caught up with again uh, and is one of the nicest players around the NHL and is a, a University of Michigan graduate, too. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed covering him in Nashville. He was always very honest. And the thing I liked about him the most is that if you did something that he didn't like, he would call you out on it, which I really enjoy because a lot of players will just sort of like, you'll, you'll, you'll write something they're not very happy with and they'll just kind of let it roll off their backs or whatever. But if he was upset, like he would be like, you did this and I'm not happy with you and you're going to have to deal with the consequences of it. And I'm like, okay. You know, that's a smart guy and just lived and breathed hockey, lives and breathes hockey. He's a free agent right now and just... Uh, also a very historical hockey savant, if you will, just because his dad, Bobby Nystrom, uh, pretty much uh, created nightmares for my father, um, the New York Rangers fan, when he was with the New York Islanders. A couple so, of series over the, yeah. uh, between those teams over there, uh, the Islanders dynasty, too. I will say this, though, like in my dad's defense, I think he really did like Bobby Nystrom and respected the way he played. But if you ever bring up the name Dennis Potvin, yeah, yeah. then all of a sudden it's like the face goes red, <laughs> the bull, you know, sees red, whatever, whatever analogies you want to make. What Speaking of, of Nystrom, because he's one of the players that's looking for a team who has been staying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared Stoll has also been around uh, in True, those parts. Yeah. And he was he was with the Kings. He was in his Minnesota Wild practice gear. Uh, but on Thursday, uh, which was a, the virtually all players there were, were Kings, uh, he was skating with them. And it looked like old times. He was having a good time <laughs> with his former teammates. Now you referenced Zach Trotman, uh, right shot defenseman. Uh, 20, he'll be 26 uh, later this month. He's played half a season two years in a row, well, half a season and I suppose a quarter of a season for the Boston Bruins. When they acquired him, my offhand assumption was that he wouldn't be given a, a, a very good chance of making the roster. I know you don't like to speculate on things that are months away, but um, I'm curious, I'm going to expand it beyond Trotman to uh, Gilbert and Latta and, and all of the new players coming in. How much of a chance are we going to have seeing these new faces versus the guys from the rain? I think there are two separate categories there, obviously, defensemen mm-hmm. and forwards. And speaking earlier this week with hockey operations, um, they the, the, the more of the logjam is on defense. Um, the way that the team sees it is that there are four players who are established. They are on the team mm-hmm. uh, in, obviously, Jake Muzzin, Drew Doughty, uh, Braden McNabb, and Alec Martinez. Sure. And I would expect to see McNabb back up with Doughty uh, at least to start training camp. Uh, and uh, Muzzin with Martinez, we all know that Daryl Sutter had spoken about how he liked those two players together when he mm-hmm. was asked about that last year. The rest of it is really, uh, I don't want to say up for grabs, but there's going to be competition and there are going to be injuries. The team is still right now, they want to see what they can get from Matt Green. Matt Green played three games last year before surgery, had to undergo a second surgery on his elbow late in the season. He's taking part in these uh, off-season skates. He's trying to get back himself back up to exactly where he wants to be for, for game shape, but the reality is, is that he had played three games in the last year. So they need to see where he's at. They need to see where Rob Scuderi is at. You know, Rob Scuderi is not going to be a guy that's going to create offense. He's not going to be a player that you're going to really entrust in skill situations in the offensive zone, obviously. Um, but he still is somebody with a very good stick and can be relied on in his own zone. And he's generally not going to make too many mistakes. Then you have players like Gilbert, like Zach Trotman. The team really wants to see what they're able to do with Zach Trotman, where, where he can fit. Uh, Tom Gilbert is somebody that has some pretty good skill and was kind of 
uh, when he was coming up, seen as, as perhaps somebody that could be a little bit of a more of a skilled offensive defenseman. He's obviously coming off a, a knee injury last year as well. He's changing teams. Uh, he's changing uh, conferences again. So it's going to be interesting to see where he fits. Um, so uh, throughout all this, of course, you still have Derek Forbert and Kevin Gravel. Gravel, one of the players that was on the ice back on Thursday, too. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And, and then when you get to the forwards, again, it, it's going to be interesting just because the Kings have probably too many players and not enough spots. You would think that even though uh, Michael Mersch, like Gravel, is somebody who is still uh, eligible to be sent down to the AHL without having to clear waivers, I don't think that's going to matter as much. If he can go in and help this team immediately, he's going to start out on, uh, on this year's team. Nick Dowd is going to have every single opportunity to make this team. He's going to be somebody that uh, that uh, basically is penciled into the roster right now. So. Um, the Kings have plenty of players in that are capable of playing NHL depth roles. It's finding out where they fit, and it's dealing with injuries that inevitably occur. You look at Jake Muzzin. He was injured each of the last two preseasons, too. So uh, once you get going, once you actually start playing games, uh, you know there will be a, a couple casualties along the way. I know it's not the main priority, but just as a, a fan who's a... I like things to fit in very specific boxes. When uh, the team lost Voinov and he was a right-handed shot... All of a sudden, I was, you know, that was all I could focus on was, oh, no, now they've got a hole in the right-handed side. Now they've and got they green. Still, they still do. But now yeah. they've got four guys. I yeah. mean, and obviously Dowdy is the lock, yeah. And, yeah. and we don't know about Green, um, uh, Trotman, and, yeah. and Gilbert. And then I'm assuming some of the guys from Ontario are, yeah. are also right shots. Well, that's that's the biggest difference right now between uh, the Kings now and the Kings in 2014 is that you lose Willie Mitchell and you lose Slava Voinov. Uh, and of course, Voinov, his own selfish actions. We we shouldn't be decrying that Slava Voinov is no longer on the team. We should probably be happy that he's no longer in the team in that sense. Sure, but <laughs> um, but still, from a hockey perspective, you basically take away an entire second pairing, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, guys have to move up a rung. You look at Alec Martinez. He's been a player that this year. The minutes were more consistently spread than probably the previous season where it looked like he was probably stepping up a little bit of a rung. But he's been entrusted with more situations. He's not quite the same play-driving defenseman as he had been when he was getting a little bit easier zone starts and when he was getting a little bit easier competitions earlier in his career. He had the toughest and the most defensive zone-inclined zone starts other than Luke Shen, I believe. Maybe even more than Luke Shen, going off the top of my head here, out of Eddie King's defenseman. So he's completely in a new role of a defenseman. I thought he handled himself pretty well this past year. And speaking Speaking with those in hockey operations, they were they were pretty happy with the way that he transitioned there. So, it, it, you're talking right there. That's that's the biggest difference now, you know, between where they were in 2014 and where they are now. Uh, a lot of those acquisitions came immediately on the heels of Milan Lucic leaving for Edmonton. Uh, a lot of them were, uh, I don't want to say budget deals, but they were they were budget deals to fit into a tight cap tight space. Cap. Um, moving forward, obviously it's been quiet most of the summer. Projecting out towards next summer, what kind of shape are the Kings now in now that they've got all of their minor league guys under the under the umbrella? It's still tight, and it will continue to be tight. You know, up until uh, Drew Doughty, uh, you know, you, you know what he's going to be getting in the coming years. You know, I get the sense right now from from preliminary discussions and conversations that I've had with hockey operations that we shouldn't be expecting any sort of immediacy in a Tanner Pearson or Tyler Toffoli. Uh, contract with a team. These are two contracts that are going to take time. They might take the entire season. You, know, you look back at uh, Andre Kopitar, that was resolved in January uh, of the year he was eligible to become mm-hmm. a free agent. Fortunately for the Kings, both Toffoli and Pearson are eligible to become restricted free agents, so the Kings aren't really um, 
afraid of losing their rights, barring, you know, really any catastrophe and, and the threat of an offer sheet, which, you know, I guess, you know, these mythical offer sheets that we always talk about <laughs> that never happen, but um, it's going to be hard. Uh, you keep in mind, too, that when the Kings uh, were negotiating with Lucic, had they been able to resign, that would have also opened up the possibility that the Kings would have been able to trade a young forward for a defenseman to address their defensive depth. Mm. I still think that there is the possibility that the team will be looking to trade a young-ish defenseman uh, to try and bring somebody in on the back end. Is that something that's going to happen in the middle of the year? Is that something that's going to happen at a training camp? Probably not. I would expect the team to, to completely go forward and have strong years as expected from both Defoli and, and Pearson. Um, but these are two players coming uh, at, towards the end of their contracts, and uh, it's not something that's going to be immediately resolved. Well, fortunately, we have a year left yeah. to even, I mean, it won't be until July 1st mm-hmm. uh, of next year that we even have to worry about it. So we can look forward to the, the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've got the Olympics going on right now, which is the World Cup of everything else, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, Josh, uh, any sport at the Olympics that particularly has grabbed your attention? Just swimming, yeah. Really, I mean, it, I, I like. Sw- I mean, I know everyone's getting into like rugby sevens and handball. Yeah, no. handball, <laughs> and I mean, Kerry Walsh Jennings domination in volleyball. Though I guess they lost a set last night, and that was like a massively huge deal or whatever. <laughs> Blows my mind that I mean, what, whatever. Anyway, beyond that, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I just like swimming because it just keeps. It's level, you know. It's just basically you beat the clock, you beat your opponents, and I, I just I can't remember when I was growing up, the U.S. being so insanely dominant in that sport. Like I knew that. I mean, they were always good in it, but it, it's like the Australians were always incredible. Like they were always the ones where it was like we eat and breathe and live swimming, and the United States was just kind of like, well, we're pretty good at it, but whatever. <laughs> but Anyway, so that that's my Olympic thought right now is as we transition to the World Cup and the joy that international competition will bring to all of us because I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Do you think that the World Cup is augmented by following on the heels of the Olympics or diminished? I think it's augmented to some degree just because everyone's kind of in nationalism mode after mm-hmm. the Olympics. Everyone's all into, you know, like the Canadians are all into Team Canada. The Americans are all into the United States. I, I think that it's really, it's pumped up by it, but we had a very interesting conference call this week with uh, some people who are on the 96, or involved in the 96 World Cup of Hockey team with Team USA. It was the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame induction teleconference, and uh, the 96 U.S. team was was inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, and uh, Brian Leach got on the call and basically was like, I don't love Team North America. You know, I don't <laughs> like the idea, and I think that... I think that you know part of it is just because you have these young players should be learning from the older international players, and Connor McDavid shouldn't be playing with Jack Eichel and Johnny Gaudreau and Seth Jones and mm-hmm. Colton Pareko and whoever else is on the team. And then Craig Janney, who was not on the 96 team but was also inducted, chimed in and basically said the same thing. And Ron Wilson, who was the coach of the 96 team, just sort of spoke about it as if he was excited, but displaying some level of trepidation and then I, I wrote a story on it basically saying you know Leach said this about it and the amount of people who were just kind of like he's right this is ridiculous was incredible well, and and I almost and to sort of tie in a King's thing with it 
I almost in some ways, and Grant, I think it's going to be a very exciting tournament, and I think Team North America is probably the most intriguing team by far, but, mm. but I also kind of feel bad for a guy like Dean Lombardi because he's the GM of the World Cup team, and if you don't really know the rules of the competition, he's going to be lined up historically with guys like David Poyle in the 2014 you know, U.S. Olympic team and Brian Burke, the 2010 team, guys who had a full complement of players who could put them in an international tournament, and Dean Lombardi will, was not able to pick Johnny Gaudreau, couldn't pick Seth Jones, couldn't pick Jack Eichel. And so I see both sides of the argument for sure. I don't really think either one's right, but it's definitely created a bit of a buzz. My understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, John or Josh, my understanding is that the next time we do the World Cup, we won't have Team Europe and Team North America, that other European nations will have an opportunity to fill those two spots by virtue of qualifying tournaments. But that this year, because the World Cup was put together so hastily, it, it didn't feel fair to put uh, Slovakia over, you know, Sweden. Or, or, or not Sweden, but, uh, but uh, you know... I'm I haven't heard that. On, no, I, I, yeah. do I have that wrong? I mean, uh, that was my understanding of it. I, I mean, it could, I'm not, yeah, I'm not it, saying that that's not correct. I just yeah, I've been following this closely. Josh it, it could be like an under the radar thought, but I, I haven't heard about it at all. And I mean, just considering, I mean, the thing is that I that I see with this is the buzz around Team North America is almost I wouldn't say it's deafening around the World mm-hmm. Cup, but it is it is far and away the most buzzworthy team. Because you do have all these really young, fast hockey players who are going to be going up against the national teams, and it's going to bring a different element. But it's kind of funny. Like I was, like I've been doing a like a bunch of research for a World Cup project I'm I'm working on. Make sure to read in Puck Daddy in a few weeks, <laughs> and uh, and just the nationalism around those tournaments was extraordinary. And I just wonder if Team North America and Team Europe is just going to destroy the nationalistic element that actually makes. Which is one of the things that does make the tournament so great. It's not the only thing. Like this is going to add something else. Right. But will that outweigh kind of the sort of I'm doing this for my country thing? Well, I hate to put my grumpy old man hat on. Do it. Um, which is not true. <laughs> I love to put it on. But you know, I. It seems to me that the appeal of a Team North America, right, which is a completely different construct than Team Europe, right? Yeah. We, all, we all get Team Europe. They need Kopitar. They need Chara. Yeah. There's. Eight different teams. You can't. You're saying Team Slovenia can't compete in the World Cup? Probably not. Although, <laughs> although I mean, the Austrians, yeah, yeah. But Team North America, it seems to me, the appeal of it is, as you say, it's all these young, exciting players. But part of what makes them exciting is that we don't know what they have to offer. We're not familiar with their flaws, right? Right. A guy like Sidney Crosby is inarguably, if not the best player in the league today, one of the best players, and certainly top three over the last ten seasons, and yet he has this identity, he has... The complaints against him are well-documented. And so to say, oh, Team Canada starring Sidney Crosby, you are going to turn off a certain number of people. It's a little bit like the election I, right now. I, I because people are so familiar with them and the complaints are so well-documented, you can say, oh, Sidney Crosby and Team Canada. But Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel, nobody's got anything bad to say about anybody on that team. Matt Murray just won the, you know, the Stanley Cup. You know, he's... Probably their starting goalie. Uh, I just don't think fans care that much, to be perfectly honest. Well, there's that as well. I, I <laughs> it's uh, coming at a time of the year where it's certainly not going to uh, draw any casual fans because mm. it's right when college football and the NFL is starting, uh, where the baseball pennant races are there. September is a wonderful time across the country, unless you're like uh, you know going back to fifth grade or something like that. But um, 
it's not the Olympics. And I would be so disappointed, and I know that there's still a long, long ways to go between the IIHF, the IOC, the NHL, the NHLPA to get players released for Pyeongchang, but if this were to be the new Olympics, I would be so unbelievably disappointed. And this is not where players are going to be at their absolute best shape. I know it does a good job raising some money for the uh, NHL and it appeases the sponsors. But for a fan, if you are getting the World Cup of Hockey and you are not getting the Olympics, I think you have every right to complain about this. And I don't expect to see very high ratings uh, on, yeah. on ESPN. And I'll do you one better. The logo, uh, which I believe is a, an image of the trophy... Uh, I think it's an image of the of the trophy that right. was given to the 04 Canadian team. Yes. Not not great. <laughs> not oh, inspiring. That's right. it's, it's the glass trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, that's the logo. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. It's, that's right. It's not. Oh, I can't wait to. That's what I will watch for sure. <laughs> the trophy presentation. That thing is weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, and then the commercials that ESPN yeah. is producing. I I I desperately want to know who they think they're marketing the game to because, like you say, the the casual fans. If I'm a casual fan. As I am of basketball, for example, and I see ads like that for basketball, not interested. Why I'm is just... Dick Backstrom in so many commercials? Is what I want to know. That's what <laughs> I've always wondered. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. what is going on? Whoever his agent is, that yeah, guy is a miracle. Well, the production company yeah. must yeah. just be run out of the, out of <laughs> yeah. the town he lives in. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right, John. I, it's not for casual fans and for the diehards. I think we all would rather see the Olympics. Well, you know what's interesting is like I feel like in just ju- gate and and I. I have some views on this. I don't really know where I stand, but like just the overall buzz on this tournament, you fall on two lines of thinking. You fall on the line of thinking that John has, which is why am I watching this mm-hmm. at this stage of the year? The Olympics are way more fun. The quality of play isn't going to be up there, and it's it's just a baseless cash grab. And then you have other people who are just so un believably nostalgic for the 96 US right. team and they are and that tournament especially and, and they already have spoken about yeah, that and too. they are so jazzed about this thing and think it's going to be like the best hockey that we've seen in years maybe since 1996 six, six, I, don't know, I don't know where I fall in that line of thinking I'm pretty much neutral like I can see that that side I can see the side that John portrayed also like I mm-hmm. think both are very very valid arguments uh, when, I, when I was doing a story, or I guess as part of the story I was working on, I remember just talking to Jim Johansson with USA Hockey about it, and he said, the players have control over how great this tournament is. Like, not anyone else. Like, right. they're the people who basically decide what this tournament's going to be. And so, if the quality of play is great, ESPN's broadcast, which I'm sure is going to be phenomenal, because I have missed Steve Levy so much. I have missed the ever theme song. Are we getting the theme song back? Everything about ESPN's coverage. With all due respect to NBC Sports, which yeah. has made great strides the last few years, like, I really, really miss ESPN's coverage. I think they did... I mean, I, I think it may just be like my childhood nostalgia thing, thing kicking in too, yeah. but, uh, but I'm very excited to see Steve Levy potentially calling like quintuple overtime games again and whatever. But, but I, you know, I, maybe when we're in the middle of it, we'll just be excited and really pumped about the whole thing. But as of right now, I just don't know. Like I just, cause also like as someone who works in hockey, like it, it makes your season longer. I mean, you're working hard in September, and I'm sure the players feel the same way. Like, yeah. you are you are pushing yourself to the max at a time when you're starting to slowly ramp yourself up, and you lose a lot of free time because of that. 
I know certainly. I mean, I think of course all, I'm asking people to feel bad for no, some but, of the people who yeah, work yeah, in yeah. hockey. <laughs> but, and I feel, but, yeah, but, 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 but for example, the the gold medal games, right? It's a best of three series are taking place on the the first weekend of King's training camp, and so assuming that it's in an, a USA Canada medal situation, a lot of Kings players will be held out of some promotional events that are scheduled to take place at the opening of camp, and that's from a Kings perspective, that's uh, that's unfortunate. I mean, you want those players to go and have yeah. as much exposure, and, and you hope that that helps the team out, but that's a bummer. But let me just just throw this out to you guys. The, oh, sorry, go ahead, yeah, It's going to be interesting, because the Kings have two split, split squad games. Yeah, that's uh, true. So yep. th- like they're gonna, you're going to see some real deep rosters mm-hmm. uh, you know, when the Kings go up to, I'm <laughs> sadly not going up to Lumbee anymore, but to a rather <laughs> vernant British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's going to be interesting, because the Kings playing, again, yeah. the same night uh, in, in Anaheim. And the the uh, the Kings on Kings game. Kings on Kings, you're going to, yeah. Will not have Kovatar Carter, Dowdy, Muzzin, Quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? It'll Gabbard. People are so thirsty for hockey content and, and reporting it'll right be now. Fantastic. It's going to be, no, you know, we'll, be it'll, it'll be a fun time. But I just, I imagine, in my mind, the, the perfect scenario for ESPN and for hockey fans, well, North American hockey fans, the, the ideal scenario is Canada, USA, gold medal, uh, Team North America defeating Russia for the bronze. The nightmare scenario is Team Europe versus the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah. With Team Europe finishing in third, if that I happens, I don't think you have to worry about that. No, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but I just can't imagine. You know, it's like when you have a potential uh, Toronto versus Sacramento yeah. NBA final, where everybody yeah. says, yeah. "What? Who's going to hey, watch?" Look, look at the look at the Olympics. I mean, they they got very fortunate in a couple of years, both in that 2002 2010 a U.S. against Canada final. On one hand, it's it's a bummer that the U.S. had to face the best hockey country in the world and wasn't mm-hmm. able to win a gold in those two. Um, but um, that's 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 what you're looking for. That would be fantastic. Well, America always performs well on North American soil, and uh, Sweden always performs well on European soil, and Finland just always hangs in. Just there. always, yeah, that <laughs> always and, yeah. scraps along. Uh, Josh, let's turn to the world of the NHL. Oh, uh, the <laughs> so you're saying there's something more going on today other yeah. than me waiting for an unnamed defenseman <laughs> who's right. really, really, really ridiculously good to call me? That should be the off-season bachelor show, by the way. <laughs> Josh, Josh Cooper waiting for his rose from NHL defenseman. But no, the uh, Las Vegas NHL hockey team does not, still does not have a name. Yeah. Uh, we got a report this morning that said that it's up down to three different names. What can you tell us about about the Las Vegas NHL hockey team? So, and I got a, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the names right here, so I'm going to have to pull up my, my story right here that I, I, I just wrote on this. Uh, yes, so here they are. So, um, for the longest time, we had all thought that there was going to be some variation of the word night, mm-hmm. K-N-I-G-H-T, in, with the team. And a lot the of reason, to, the reason being that the owner, yeah, the owner yeah. is, a, I believe, he's a West Point graduate and was really into Black Knights. And no, I, as far as I know, he's not a Monty Python fan. Yeah. <laughs> but the but name, now, of, the name of his company, yeah, right? Yeah, but it's like yeah, Black Knight, yeah. I think, Entertainment or whatever. It sounds all right. Yeah, sounds yeah. Fun. And then you start kind of moving on as far as licensing issues. They were going to have trouble with, I think, it was like the military or the military academy getting this done because of the U.S. Military Academy's, like, team name or whatever, and so then you're moving on to other night options, Silver Knights, for example. Uh, the team name Knight, uh, or Knights cannot be used because of a licensing issue with the London Knights. And that sucks. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump in yeah. right here, yeah. and that's awful. Yeah, and you guys know me. I'm a big OHL guy. 
Yeah. And that's you are big, big OHL guy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that they that the London Knights, because yeah. Knights, Las Vegas Knights, the Knights sounds great. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mark it down. Go print those jerseys. One yeah. syllable, easy, easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that this can be held up by a. Freaking OHL team stinks. Well, and, and I, I'm not done here. What's uh, going on against this? Pointing in the air yes. right now, people. <laughs> I remember, yeah. and look, you can go in the WHL, and I'm not yeah. as big of a WHL guy as I am in OHL. You can look in it, it, it. There are like the almost the entire AFC West is depicted in in the freaking WHL, where you have the Broncos in, in Swift Current, the Chiefs in Spokane, and the Raiders in Prince Albert. You have teams like the Lethbridge. Hurricanes, the Kitchener Rangers. Like, how does this happen where one team, one junior hockey team, a very good junior hockey team that is traditionally They're one of the best OHL, yeah. OHL teams, hold this up? And it's it's They're not licensing. holding it up. They're, They're preventing it from happening. It. Yeah. You're you, ready, you ready for me to blow your mind, John? Yeah. Yeah. The CFL yeah. had two, two, Rough Riders. two teams called the Rough Riders. Uh, because I'm also a big Saskatchewan Rough Riders yeah. fan. Jared Stoll and I are both yeah. huge fans. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I go back. Are you really? Yes. This was from spending a lot of time in Regina. Back. Wow. <laughs> They're the watermelon heads. The, yeah. It's literally, if, and I don't mean to, to digress too much. I've written about this a little mm. bit. But if you go to the CFL, uh, see a CFL game, the, the place you have to see a CFL uh, game is, is in Regina. That's where it's the most like uh, a college football environment where you have people all over the province with their car flags, massive tailgating. It's a good environment there. But uh, I digress here. I, I always, whenever I'm looking for a team name, you go to I go to the KIJHL. It's out in Western Canada. <laughs> the Kootenai International Junior Hockey League. <laughs> sure. Where you have the Creston Valley Thundercats. Right. Thundercats is pretty badass. Yeah. The Fernie yeah. Ghost Riders. The I Kimberly I like that Dynamiters. Yeah, say and that one again because Josh and I were admiring the Ghost Riders. Bernie Ghost Riders. Let's just let that pause. <laughs> yeah. right there. The Kimberly Dynamiters. Dynamiters. I like good. that. And then one of these that is being considered for the new Las Vegas team, the Beaver Valley Nighthawks, which is, again, yeah. same name as a former Kings affiliate that Nick Nixon uh, got some of his earlier cuts in, in radio broadcasting with. He was also with Rochester, too. Uh, but new, the New Haven Nighthawks. And Nighthawks, along with Desert Hawks and Red Hawks, is, well, uh, is a possibility. Yeah, that, yeah that, I was about to say, that the, the three names, Nighthawks, Red Hawks, and Desert Hawks. And uh, before I came over here, I posted a story on Puck Daddy about it. And just the response, at least socially, now granted, take this sort of with a grain of salt, because the internet can be a very negative place. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> it can be a very negative place, but was overwhelmingly against this. And... I felt almost bad because, as John pointed out, and I don't know the legalese of everything or if it's even humanly possible to get Knights somehow involved with the NHL, but, I mean, this is a big deal. Like, the name, I mean, granted, like, success does dictate a team or whatever, but I wrote a big story on the San Jose Sharks around the time they went to the Stanley Cup final. Sorry, Jesse, all right, and, all right. and to the royal half who's not here, <laughs> uh, but uh, before they made the Stanley Cup final, and... I talked to their marketing guy, and he just talked about how important it was that the team had to have a one-syllable name, how it just had to pop, and have a real connection with the area. So, I don't really know how Knights has connection with Las Vegas, per se, but it's still cool. Like, it's a one-syllable name. You can do so much with it. With the logo, you can make it, like, an actual knight. You can make it, like, a chess piece, which I think would also be, like, really, really cool. I mean, there's so many things you could do with that, and it's basically... Although Chessman cookies might have a problem. Yes, that, oh yeah, they, yeah it's unbelievable, believable just how many places have issues with this. But. While, we're, while we're talking about this in, in terms of naming a team, is it too late to change the name of the Minnesota Wild? 
can we change that too while we're at this right now, <laughs> away from the wild? Yeah. I hate those abstract yeah. nouns that uh, just doesn't work. Their jerseys are kind of cool. I've always been all right with their jerseys. Love their not jerseys. The, not the faux vintage red and green one, but all others have been actually like that uh, uh, initial logo that they have. Stadium pretty sharp. But, but how much? Yeah. Of, but how much of your approval of their logo and uh, logo and jerseys is based on your lowered expectations of the name Minnesota Wild? Wild. I, you know, like if their name was the Minnesota Timberwolves, yeah, and yeah. that was their logo. Yeah, I mean, I'd still really? be All right. that. That's totally fine. <laughs> All right. I just, you know, wild. You just I really just like don't... the use of negative space? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Chicago Blackhawks, obviously, are the ENHL team that will probably have the largest objection to any of these names. Red Hawks, I think, being universally agreed upon as the worst of the three. <laughs> um, because Red Hawks, Black I like Hawks. Nighthawks. It's a well, Nighthawks works. Especially since it has the word night in it. And yeah. for a, I mean, honestly, for a guy, like, I'm not... Maybe night with a K? I'm not a champion of billionaires. Like, I don't really like to throw my hat into the ring in defense of the uber wealthy but if you spend 500 million dollars for a team i think you should be able to get the name you want yeah <laughs> like yeah. that's just me yeah um so nighthawks at least at least has the word night in it even if it's a different spelling although what if they did k-n-i-g-h-t hawks that'd be that cool too? that'd be okay there are so many like hot like like you know, Lincoln Hawks, yeah, the blank Hawks, Hawks or right, blank did you get dogs. That? Yeah, you, over the top. The movie. No, oh, I always. It was I his character's name, Lincoln Hawks. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I Sorry, seen, I, I hadn't seen over the top since I was twelve. So. <laughs> Is that that basketball movie? No. no oh no! It was, was a no, I'm of the era. It was a so Sylvester was Stallone movie, movie about oh, a no. kid and father and the and the unifying power of arm wrestling. The competitive world. It's terrible. Well, I remember when we were on a bus driving up to Kelowna with the Silver Tips, where we watched this movie about teenage kickboxers called Never Back Down. And that was the worst movie I'd ever seen. It was just wow. about rival teenage kickboxers. Have you seen Suicide Squad? I, Is it know, that bad? I, it's that no. bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's doing so well, though. Like well. It's making so much money. Great, they'll make a trilogy. Yeah. But, uh, so, so, we yeah. think, so we think it'll be the Nighthawks. Yeah. yeah, it just makes the most sense. And SportsLogos.net that broke yeah. the story this morning gave a really nice defense about why Nighthawks makes the most sense. And... I mean, I think there was some. There was also some kind of militaristic thing that goes with it too, which I think yeah, it's, uh, it's the stealth bomber. Yeah, the stealth bomber, exactly. So I, I, I think that works well, and I, I think it's a, it's a very nice name. I think you can do a lot with it. I think the knight element of it. This is. I mean, I'm going to start getting really cheesy on this, but I think <laughs> that that it opens up a bunch of color schemes that can work, especially with Las Vegas and just how it all, you know, just. Kind of, I don't know. It just seems like it would make most sense. It's interesting. I, I interned in the 2004 baseball season with the Las Vegas 51s, which went on a complete rebranding after they were originally known as the Las Vegas Stars, and then went for the Area 51 theme and the Alien theme. And they completely, not that Stars is associated with gambling or anything like that, but they wanted nothing to do. And I know the NHL doesn't want to associate itself, obviously, with gambling, but uh, it was interesting that with all the possibilities you have to name a minor league team, that they went to uh, the Area 51 and Alien theme, and they still—I believe—they still have the alien with the baseball embedded in its forehead on there. Which on their team caps. is the Isotopes? 
That's Albuquerque. Albuquerque. All right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's excellent marketing. Yeah. Well, oh, we need a Simpsons. We need a Simpsons. Well, so now I'm just here. googling Nighthawk because I read an article this morning that mentioned that the Nighthawk, the actual bird, has white bands on its oh. arms, on its wings, <gasps> and arms like a jersey. But then, of course, I also discovered that there's a Marvel superhero called Nighthawk. Oh wow, that's <laughs> so. not bad. That's, hey, that's, that's all right. By the way, <laughs> speaking of birds, what is that thing? That is a fake owl to scare, okay. to like, scare away. I was other... so confused by we that. We have windows in our podcast recording. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, no, like, I, well, another option. I think I'd read this on Sports Illustrated as a joke was the night owls. Owls, not bad. Uh, Las Vegas terrible. owls would be pretty cool. Uh, but I mean, when, when Nighthawk is one of those compromises that rolls around, where when, as I was reading about it, it's an actual animal, right? It's not a, a tiger cat or, a, or a, yeah. an ice dog <laughs> or whatever, right? <laughs> Combination of words a you want to make. Dog. It's an actual animal native to the to the area. You know, it is. It's it's a. It is a, a vicious bird. <laughs> I heard people, somewhere that I read, I don't remember if it was on Puck Daddy or where it was yesterday, someone had suggested the peregrines. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool, but then again, it, the instant association I had was with the thrashers. Which sure. is like a name, that I, a bird that I wasn't too familiar with, and I associate the thrashers with being in a non-traditional market. Well, for and let's say years. let's say the, the uh, sports center is doing their you know, wrap-up of the first game. What do they shorten peregrines to? The pears, the grins, the... P-birds. I mean, <laughs> at least with the Nighthawks, you can say the, the Hawks. The Hawks. You know, you know there, is an NBA, there is an NBA team with a worse name, though. With a bad bird name. The I Pelicans? Mean. Yes. Pelicans. <laughs> like, I mean, and you know what? It somehow works. So, well, I mean, we, yeah. We, we uh, work with the Kings with uh, our uh, excellent uh, public relations re- representative, Mike Kalinowski, who was the broadcaster and PR director for a federal hockey league team, maybe union hockey league team, forgive me, and it was based in Utica, New York. It was mm-hmm. the Mohawk Valley Prowlers. You don't ever hear Prowlers, and let us never, ever yeah. have a Prowler in the NHL, because then you could have a matchup between the Prowlers and the Predators, and that would oh. be awful. Well, I was just going to say, we do have yeah. Predators, yeah. which lends yeah. itself to all manner of, of off-color joke. Um, fortunately, Nighthawks, I don't think, lends itself. Maybe I'm ignoring something, but... Mm-hmm. I, I can live with the Las Vegas Nighthawks. It sounded great when they were in New Haven. The New Haven Nighthawks yeah. was, yeah. was perfect. I, I can def I can live with that. I think it's a good name. But I will say this: after talking to the guy who was the original Sharks mm-hmm. marketing person, one syllable names for a new team yeah. is a really big deal sure. and a smart thing. Yeah. And I. I never thought of that until I talked to him. But then you think of the success the Sharks have had. Now, yeah. easy it is to just say Sharks Kings. When the Ducks shortened their name from Mighty Ducks to Ducks, yeah. like, it just, it pops easier. And, and it, it's just, I get it. The Sharks' original logo, they were hoping, and this was when Jack Ferreira was their general manager, uh, they were hoping to have one of the teeth blacked out of the Sharks. Yeah. And then the <laughs> NHL thought, with good reason, that that was too cartoonish and not serious enough. And, yeah. And, uh, That's Thank goodness that was left out, but that was the original uh, look that the sharks were looking right, considering was was a blacked out too. Now I'd like to propose a, a slight alteration to the Las Vegas Nighthawks that I think make it sound that much better and that much more professional. The Nevada Nighthawks. Uh, according to Chris Creamer's story, Nevada's off the table. We well, don't know if it's going to be Vegas or Las Vegas, but Nevada is not yeah. part of it. And, and look, I, I get that because the name Las Vegas carries international appeal. The name Nevada just doesn't right. quite as much, and 
I was going to make a Harry Reid joke, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what jokes can be made about him. But <laughs> well, uh, well, we've got a year, I suppose, for them to sort it all out. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I mean, it, so I don't, I don't know if this has been commented on or not, but but are they sticking with the original plan of having the the black or the gray and the uh, I don't know and gold. There's so many trademark issues that right. are coming with this, That's and crazy I, I feel terrible for the team because, as we said earlier, Knights. It, it makes sense. It yeah. made sense. It was, and, and not just that. I remember when I toured the arena. I mean, there were like kind of knights' heads that you would see in the arena. So you think this could? And, and granted, it was like in some random lounge that had nothing to do with the team, but it made sense. Mm-hmm. But where's the theme with nighthawks? Yeah, yeah and they'll and they'll make it work. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they'll. It would be really cool. I think actually, is because there's so much pink in the arena because it's T-Mobile is having some sort of pink color scheme. At some point, for like a like an alternate jersey. I feel crazy for asking this, but is pink associated with T-Mobile? Yeah, yeah, their logo. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, oh. they're yeah, it's all over the arena. I didn't. Are, is there ever? I know obviously teams have pink the rink jersey. Yeah. And they, yeah, I went to Manchester and they the ice was literally pink right. when we went there. But is there? There's no pink in any NHL. Or I should not say NHL, but any professional sports team's jersey. I'm trying to think. Uh, I know you know what team had a little bit of pink in their jersey before they they went to more of a Calgary Flames. Uh, color motif was the Calgary Hitmen, right? Had yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that was because of uh, Brett Hitman. Brett Hart. Hart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I know that um, teams wear it for like breast cancer awareness yeah. sometimes, yeah. but I don't know if it's actually. The only thing I can think of is if maybe one of the teams with a really elaborate logo, like I don't know what the Pelicans yeah, logo like is off the top of my head, but, trim or, or maybe even a fourth or fifth, right? You, you know, know, when you go to play the University of Iowa's football team, mm-hmm. the visitors' locker room is exclusively in pink paint because hmm. they thought it would create a <laughs> uh, psychological advantage sure. over the visitors. Yeah. Where all they see before the game is pink. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I just like. Do you remember when the Atlanta Thrashers had you know six official colors in their jerseys? Baby blue, just a, yeah, orange, day navy blue. <laughs> yeah, like brown, one yeah. sleeve of their jersey yeah, was at yeah. eight different colors. That's too bad. Yeah, there was one or two versions of that jersey that I thought looked all right. But Qu- I've got a quick bone to pick. <laughs> sure. Uh, this is also news that's happened since I was last on the podcast. So. They announced the outdoor game mm-hmm. for the, or not the outdoor game. They did like a media event for the Winnipeg Edmonton outdoor game. The alumni team for the Jets has nobody from the Thrashers on it. Okay, I'm gonna. I am now going to pick a bone with your bone, because I saw all of those comments and I saw all of the snarky Twitter replies about, look, you know, you have to acknowledge that your team isn't the Phoenix Coyotes. It's the Atlanta Thrashers. The events are for the fans, and the fans didn't relocate, and the fans don't care. It's the Winnipeg. Oh, I just Jets. thought it was funny. No, I, it's... no, no, no and, and, and the reason why is because I remember I was on a conference call when Mark Sheafley got resigned, and someone referred to him as the organization's first draft pick, which uh-huh. I was just like, <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> he was not. But that okay. <laughs> but that brings up one of my favorite sort of philosophical uh, waste of time. Which is, um, it's got a million different names. Edison's Hammer, Gretzky's Stick, uh, uh, I forget whose boat. Um, but when you start removing pieces from something, and, and you're constantly replacing pieces without ever having a clear breaking point of starting over and starting again, at what point do you insist on recognizing that thing as the same item, right? And so that to me is sports, right? Every year... 
players are in and out of the lineup. From one game to the next, you don't have continuity of lineup. Never mind, ownership changes, manager changes, coaching changes, jersey changes, city changes. So why do we insist on recognizing... Like, I get it, it's because that's part of what makes sports fun, is is adhering to that that storyline. But, like I said, when, when people get on Twitter and start freaking out about how the Jets aren't just the Jets... In my mind, they're, they're not the Thrashers. They were the... The day they moved, they were the Jets. But it's just funny to me how... Just the history of that organization, the Thrashers, mm. is completely neglected. Sure, like it is a like like when you go to Arizona with good reason. No, no, when you go to Arizona, like I think I'm pretty sure like Dale Howard Chuck is like yeah. up in the Ring of Honor. Or but whatever. that's crazy to me. I mean, like it, the, the Bobby Hall's number is retired in it's not, Phoenix. It's, it's is, not retired by any players. It's just in like a Ring of Honor thing. They didn't retire the number. They just they just celebrate the fact that that organization was in part. Enabled to stay solvent and alive, right through the through the contributions of these players. John, you're a huge uh, Lakers fan and presumably a Dodgers fan. Do you care as much about the Brooklyn Dodgers history and the Minneapolis Lakers history as you do the accomplishments of those franchises while they were in LA? Uh, not, I mean, not as much as I do when they were in LA, but it's like. It's Jackie Robinson with the Dodgers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that yes, one carries a little bit. Sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know. But do you care it, about George Mikan? Yeah, because the Lakers have been a, a team that has been established in the NBA for so oh, long. I, I'm not like, I was never, I'm not, you know, I don't need to There's say. There's still banners there that yeah. have a, like a Minneapolis There's logo. One banner. There's yeah. one banner. Yeah. Those were added in like yeah. the 2000s. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not here <laughs> championing, you know, insecure the Lakers. Oh, well, they right. could have had you know, 16 titles. As, as and look, the, like, the Thrashers were terrible. Like, yes, I mean, were. they absolutely were. I mean, but, and, and I totally get that. It's just the, the absolute neglect is funny to me. It's just funny. <laughs> Problem solved. Let all Thrashers alumni take part in Arizona Coyotes alumni games. But the beauty. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely I'm fine with that when will they have an alumni game that would be incredible I mean at some point it's just going to be Shane Doan right like, yeah he's getting out there by himself uh, let's talk about Shane Doan really quickly because I heard a fascinating uh, hot take I guess for lack of a better word uh, was some, the host of some show um, basically saying that Shane Doan liked to lose because he's refusing to leave the Coyotes. He wants to finish his career there. He started his career in Winnipeg. The team moved, but he wants to finish his career with with one franchise. Do you guys side more on respecting that decision, or or would you rather see him Ray Bork it and try and get a ring somewhere? He's such a different bird, like in the best way possible. I mean... I was going back to the interview I did with him on the 04 World Cup for this massive World Cup project that, again, you can read in Puck Daddy in a few weeks. And just the types of things that really excite him are different than other players and in the best way possible. Like, he just very much... He just loves the game so much, and I think he'll just play anywhere and anywhere. And yes, he wants to win, and he's very, very vocal about that, but... I think it's hit a point in his career where he's just very happy that he's been able to that he's the last link to the Winnipeg Jets on the Coyotes. And I, I I'm, I'm he's a different breed, but I think that it's not that he wants to lose. I just and also like his family's there. Like he's got kids who are like almost college age at mm-hmm. this point. 
I mean, it, it's you, you can't really move when you're when they're that age. So, and he's got a lot of kids too, from what I can recall. I think internet commenters should choose where players play. <laughs> that would be. Good. I think just Dave Lozo should run a poll, and whichever <laughs> team comes up most uh, highest on that poll is where he should just play. wipe the he rosters clean. He's played for yeah. twenty years. He can pick wherever he wants to play. He's, yeah. You know what, Kings fans, they don't like him. There's obviously the rivalry. There was 2012 too, but you know what, he's somebody that like. You know, he'll get, if he left, he would still get, you know, criticized for leaving the Arizona Coyotes. If he doesn't leave, he gets criticized. He should play wherever he wants to play and make decisions that are best for him and his family. So speaking of another franchise that was relocated and never pays, <laughs> never nice pays, transition. Any, never pays yeah. any homage to its original team, uh, the Colorado Avalanche lost their coach today. Uh, John, thoughts on Patrick Waugh's second uh, petulant departure from a franchise that employed him? It was, it's interesting because Patrick Waugh was a first-time NHL head coach, and he had other duties with that organization, vice president. Executive of, uh, vice executive president, vice president of, like, of hockey ops yeah, or hockey player operations. Or and that's, yeah. There are a lot of people wearing a couple different hats there. I don't know if it worked out too well. And I will also say this, and I'm going to probably irritate a couple of Kings fans, especially those like myself, who vividly recall 2001 and 2002. But, and 1993. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not speaking, I'll get there in a second. I like the Avalanche. Between 96 oh, yeah. and 02, other than, I don't, again, I'm not, it's not as if I was, you know, a 21-year-old person of me team. was, was rooting against the they Kings here. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. there was nothing like watching Peter Forsberg, yeah, other than, yeah, like, yeah. obviously, Gretzky Lemieux. <laughs> um, but Peter Forsberg, at that time, was the most dominant player of hockey. Joe Sackett on and off the ice, the most respect for. Yeah. Begrudgingly, Patrick Waugh. Uh, enjoyed watching his career. You can go up and down. Even players that you know, the role players on that teams were outstanding. The, the Valerie Kamenskys, Mike Keen, Mike Keens, yeah. Mike Ricci. Yeah, everywhere you look on that team, those were fantastic teams to watch. I don't like seeing this fall apart just in the sense that you see a lot of teams keep bringing in alumni. Uh, someone like Patrick Watt, who was their head coach and you know VP as well, and seeing a fallout there between him and Sackick, that that's tough. Um, I'm speaking about this just emotionally, not practically. Obviously, this seems to be a team that's stuck in a little bit of an old school approach. Uh, maybe not the same. I, I can't speak to what goes on behind the scenes there, but you know, the, the the maybe not the same amount of, of of detail as some other organizations. And again, I'm speaking kind of like uh, uh, flightily here, but. Um, you know, it's 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 tough to see. It's tough to see this happen so late in the off season. Uh, you know, I, I don't know again whether this would be something that would be like players being hung out to dry here, or whether players are happy for some change. But that's that, the timing here is bizarre. The fact that Patrick Wall went to an outside PR uh, company is bizarre. That this happened when, as we were talking about, multiple people on the Avalanche in their front office on vacation is bizarre. So it stinks. I, w- I would have loved to have seen Patrick Waugh find success as a Colorado Avalanche head coach because he's, he's, a, he's a hab and he's a, an avalanche, and, and uh, it, it's tough to see it end this way. Uh, speaking strictly as a biased, heavily biased Kings fan, um, I'm thrilled because it just speaks to dysfunction in that franchise, and that's a Western Conference team <laughs> who is a, a potential rival for the playoff spot for the Kings. Oh, they are always a Wednesday night rivalry. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Too. So from that perspective, I'm thrilled just because you know anything to weaken a, a, a conference opponent. But yeah, it's never fun when the guys that you admired growing up fall, even temporarily fall from grace in in their current positions. And there's a lot of teams. Vancouver, Edmonton, Colorado, you know, 
I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but who have placed former players in this president of hockey operations sort of faux GM role. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many of them actually yeah. five years from now are still in those positions. There are too many cooks in the in the kitchen, and there are too many people with a few too many titles for an organization that seemed like did not have the same type of longevity of players in their front office to be able to wear uh, all those different hats. And they had such solid ownership during that period of time that you were yeah. talking about. It's uh, it is it's it's unfortunate. Um, Short term, like I said, as a Kings fan, I'm thrilled because it weakens a conference opponent. But long term, it's never fun to see that kind of uh, weakness in the front offices. Anyway, unless there's anything else you guys want to touch on? I have, I have no real opinion on that. Mm-hmm. I, only just from the sense of the Patrick Waugh versus advanced dad thing was always entertaining. Yes. And yeah. it was almost like he just kept doubling down against it. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just kind of like, no, you're wrong. And... I don't know. I mean, I guess the one thing I have to say about Patrick Waugh is that he was a wildly entertaining yes. coach. Yes, in I sports. Let's good. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and in sports, you want to be entertained. Yeah. And Sean Leahy from Puck Daddy wrote a tremendous things that we're going to miss about Patrick Waugh as a head coach because <laughs> there was a lot of things that we're going to miss about him as a head coach. I mean, like, mm-hmm. he really... He brought that sort of bravado and flair that we knew about him as a player into coaching and wasn't afraid to smack talk. Him calling out Matthew yeah. Shane for scoring his 30th goal last year and celebrating like <laughs> one game seven. I mean, that was fantastic. <laughs> I enjoyed that so much. That was essentially a coach just not giving in to a player who's like a franchise type guy for them who makes millions upon millions of dollars. And I, I enjoyed that. So yes, he was terrible with advanced stats. He definitely rubbed a ton of people the wrong way. He certainly had his enemies around the league, Bruce Boudreaux clearly being one. But at the end of the day, in sports, I love being entertained. He was so entertaining. He always gave us something to write about. He was fun. I wouldn't quite say he was affable, but he was just (laughs) a very enjoyable person from a media perspective. And I, I hope we see him somewhere again. There's rumors about him sort of being the guy if the wheels fall off in Montreal and then they need like a coach GM type to come in wow. and replace Michelle Terrian and Mark Bergevin. That would now, be amazing. I, now I've heard there was something, it was, it, there was definitely some rumblings on Twitter. I'm not saying I've heard from anyone sure. like this is definitely going to happen. Many people but, are saying. But yes, the internet is spoken. Sure. And no, but it, I mean, that's, he's a guy out there and he's a nostalgia type guy for them. And I mean, he speaks he could, French. He's about to say he's bilingual, which is huge in that market for yeah. sure. I mean, if you go to any media event, they do an English thing and they do a French thing. So that's key. But I, I would, I would personally really like to see him back in the NHL yeah. just only because he's just something that's fun for us to write about and someone who's very newsworthy and when he speaks you listen whether you agree or not it there's a personality sorry to put words there oh yeah there is just an incredible personality there and hey i would i would like to see him back i'm very sad that he left he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who will stay away so. I hope not. You know, I hope he doesn't go back to juniors or whatever. Or I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a chance he tries to work on the Quebec City bid that's just that's not ending or may end up relocating. Who knows? But I, I, I liked him an awful lot just as far as he was... When you talk to him, you know you're talking to greatness regardless of how nuts he could be. Mm-hmm. And there are a few coaches like that who when you speak to them, you just know how great they were as players. 
Well, like I said, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy, even if he doesn't find a coaching job in the NHL, he will certainly be a presence in the hockey world. So uh, I don't think we've heard the last of Patrick Roy. No. I also don't think we've heard the last of all these content pieces trying to figure out who's going to be the uh, the next no. avalanche coach because those came out basically before the ink was dry yeah. in that public relations Corsi, statement. Who will, there, who will have the best oh, Corsi? Yeah. Bob Hartley's on all these lists. But his like, Corsi was terrible. Yeah. John, you want to do your Bob Hartley impression? for? Oh, a, no, no, it wasn't, <laughs> mine. it wasn't mine. I can't take credit for that, but it's somebody else's. Um, but I think that uh, one of the people that will probably be getting a long look just because there's so little time before the start of the season is Tim Army. Uh, assistant coach with the Avs. I believe that's his official title. Yeah. I don't know if he's an associate coach, but I think he's somebody that's going to get a look. And obviously, Certainly Travis Green is up yeah. for virtually, it seems, every job that's open right Former now. Former Mighty Duck, Travis Green. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's been up for jobs. Someone said um, Todd Richards, another guy yeah. who kind of just the wheels fell off of them in Columbus for no reason, really, unfortunately. Yeah. And Smart hockey man with a lot yeah, of connections. He's a good, he's a good, he's a pretty good coach there. Yeah. Richards. Well, you have heard the uh, the Last of Us for today, so Josh, I want to thank you for joining us. No worries, anytime. Follow his work on Yahoo's excellent Puck Daddy blog. John Rosen, thank you as always for joining us. Thank you, Jesse. Big thank you to Josh too. This is a very busy day for Josh, obviously writing about yeah. uh, Patrick Watt. Everything, yeah. writing about everything while the, waiting for an Vegas. NHL defenseman to and come then, and then hustling back over here too. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. By the way, the NHL defenseman during this has not called me. No, oh, which that's means heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. So, which means I, I will then be getting in touch with an NHL PR staffer to tell the NHL PR staffer <laughs> that the defenseman did not call. Sorry, I got to respond to these three texts from Jake Muzzin. I'll give me a couple minutes here. And of course, uh, you can continue to read John Rosen's. Evaluation, player evaluations on uh, LAKingsInsider.com. So that is it. Thank you, John. Thank you, Josh. My name is Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you very soon.